Within printed page rests fates unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the binding. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bindings. I'm Max Lopez, and I think at this point this might be episode 26 or 27. I'm not exactly sure. I'm kind of thinking 27. We're approaching the end of March here, and of course, naturally in the middle of March, I got a random idea to have, I should have done a mystery March because I read a mystery book this week. I plan on reading another mystery book. I should have done a whole mystery march, but I was really caught up in needful things for for that uh, the last three episodes, and I really enjoyed talking about that book. If you listened, you probably uh, probably sh- my excitement most likely showed for the love of needful things by Stephen King. If you didn't check out uh, part one through three of that, that came out. The first three weeks of Mark, March, please check that out. I loved uh, recording those episodes. I loved talking about that book. If you want to talk about it, if you've read it before, if you listen to my episodes and found some of my ideas uh, interesting or appalling even, please just let me know. I'd love to talk about it. That was a such an exciting book to be able to cover and kind of, I feel like, do justice by covering it over the course of a couple of episodes instead of putting it all into one. Actually, that's ironic bringing that up because the book that I covered this week, Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, is almost, I wouldn't say the opposite of that, but a very quick, like actually physically a quick read. It was uh, probably only a few hour read for me. It's about, copy I have is 204 pages long. Literally goes from cover to cover basically, which is odd. Not odd, but it's not something I'm used to. Usually I get a foreword or, or some sort of note from the author at the beginning of a lot of the books I read. And uh, and it ends right at the end. There's nothing, uh, literally goes to page, I just might, you might be like, why are you talking about this? I just, I always find it odd when the last text in a, in a book is, is paired up right next to the back cover. Just not something I see very often. So yeah, so I, I read Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, which was published in November 6, 1939. It's preceded by Murder is Easy, and it's followed by Sad Cypress, which I have not read either of, because I've actually never read an Agatha Christie book before. To be quite honest, I've never really read a like a like a God's Honest mystery book, to be completely honest, uh, kind of thinking of it. I covered those two hard case crime books by Stephen King. Uh, three. I'm sorry, three. I did Later, which is the newest one. I did Colorado Kid and Joyland. And Joyland and Colorado Kid I did a dual episode for because they're both really, really short. I really liked Joyland. Colorado Kid, I liked it just because I'm very versed in Stephen King and like his kind of like open-ended nature and his books. I actually looked up because I was cur- I, I want to read some more of the Hard Case Crime series because there's a ton of those books. And I actually found out that Colorado Kid is considered like the worst one of all time, which I don't, I don't know if I actually agree with that. People said it was terrible. I don't know if it's terrible. I don't know if I could ever equate anything that's only like 100 pages to being terrible. I think it was what it was. I think it was what it was intended to be. 
but I would definitely not say it was terrible. Uh, but, you know, all that aside, this is, I would say, besides the Hardy Boys books that I read when I was a kid or pretended to read when I was sitting in class, this is really the only mystery book, or the first mystery book, I'm not going to say only because it's not going to be the only one, but it is the first true mystery book. And I have been suggested to read Ag Agatha Christie by many different people. My dad really likes Agatha Christie books. When he saw that I posted a picture of this book on Instagram, he even texted me like, hey, I saw you reading an Agatha Christie book. And I thought, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not surprised my dad likes mystery books. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I was just kind of excited. This was actually loaned to me by a coworker of mine who she said I needed to read it. She it was, she said it was one of her favorite mystery books. She also knows that I'm real into fantasy and sci-fi books, and this is definitely kind of out of my realm. And uh, just overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed quite a few aspects of it, which I'll get to later in the episode. It, it, I'm not going to cover it right now. I, I naturally want to just go into it, but I'm not going to. A couple of fun facts that probably a lot of people who are familiar with Agatha Christie already knew this, but it, this is this book, and then there were none, is actually the world's best-selling mystery novel, which is fascinating to me because it, it was published in 1939. It, like this, it's such an old book for that. I mean, in a in what 17 years, it's going to be a hundred-year-old book, and it's still the best-selling mystery novel of all time. That's so wild. And it's, in fact, the sixth best-selling book of all time, which I find quite fascinating as well. And another thing, on the back of another Agatha Christie book I read, it actually says that she's, like, the most published author of all time. And she's only outsold by the Bible and Shakespeare. Now, I'm reading this off the back cover of a, of a book, so I don't know the true validity of that. I would have to do a little bit more research, and I, I most likely will forget until I record, until I edit this episode, and then I'll most likely remember. But for now, I'm going off the back of this book, and it's saying she she's she's right next to the Bible and old Bill Shakespeare, so good for her. It's incredible. She died in 1976, so she had a pretty long career and wrote a ton of books, and I know that this is considered um, considered amongst many to be the best one. I enjoyed it. I don't have any other reference or any other um, point in which to judge, but I thought it was quite good. I, I I liked a lot of different aspects of it. So the book essentially starts and you're introduced to a series of characters, essentially 10 characters, and they're all invited to this island for a reason that they're really unsure of. And I, I, I kind of got the feeling that they were invited for like a dinner party type situation, like upper to high, or middle to high class type gathering of uh of of people and so they all go to this island un, unaware of anything that's going to transpire transpire which i found quite interesting because they all went quite willingly so i don't know if this was some sort of they they thought it to be some sort of status symbol and they're brought to this island called indian island and when they get there there is no host there is a husband and wife team, I'm, I'm calling them a team, but Thomas Rogers and Ethel Rogers, and they're already on the island, and they actually had been hired to basically be the butler and the, the, the cook for the, the party that's going to be going on. Everybody's very confused. You get a little bit of background of every character as they go, but I would say this story doesn't have... Uh, a ton of character development and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
I think that the bit of character development that you end up getting from uh, a couple characters is what's really worth it in the end, and I think that that pays out. But 10 characters to be built in 200 pages is just not a lot. So I thought that it was done really well. I think that I potentially could have gotten a little bored if there was a lot of character development with all 10 characters. So I was somewhat relieved for that because I think that Agatha Christie really hit home with the ones that she did develop. There was a point to it, although for maybe a couple you don't really see see kind of the grand picture of it until the end as it's a mystery you're trying to solve the mystery actively as are the characters which is something i absolutely loved in it so besides those two uh who are thomas rogers and ethel rogers there's edward george armstrong there's emily brent there's william blore there's vera claythorne philip lombard John MacArthur, Anthony Marston. Anthony Marston is the first person to actually die. And then Lawrence Wargrave, who's like a judge. And so, essentially, it's kind of interesting because all of these people kind of represent different, like, almost like archetypes of people in the world. Like, there's like, Anthony is kind of like the no-good, kind of young, handsome guy and then there's a doctor there's a judge there's like a uh, like a, a seamstress and it just and that's not all of them but it just kind of covers just like every type of person people who are war veterans you know I, I assume that the the game clue but also the movie clue with tim curry which i love that movie so much i think that it's kind of like a spoof on this particular story. Now, I might be completely wrong about that because this is the only one I've read, um, but this, it seemed, there's a lot of that because Clue kind of has those archetypes too where it's like these very specific type of person, which I love that about Clue. I love that about this, uh, this story as well. So essentially, they all go to this dinner party. They don't know why they're there. And then a record starts playing at the time it's like a gramophone record with a big um, kind of tuba looking speaker that comes off of it and a record starts playing and it's addressing them all personally and it goes on to describe that each one of them had committed a murder at some point in their lives and they're basically getting blackmailed they're all in shock they're all kind of denying it within seconds of this happening um, like that it's, you know, kind of going about it as if it's some sort of a setup or that they actually didn't do anything and they're being, um, they're kind of being put in this situation that they don't deserve to be in. And right away, Anthony Marston finishes his drink and then proceeds to die right there in front of everybody. Long story short, because I'm not going to go through this whole novel because it's so quick and if you're going to read it, just go read it. It's, I mean, it's, it's worth reading. It's, it's kind of one of those books that it's so short that it like makes you feel good. It really boosts that, that reading ego. Like, oh man, I can read a book in two days. I can read a book in a couple of hours. It's good for the reading ego. It's nice to stroke that ego every once in a while because it kind of uh, rifles you into the next one with a lot of excitement. So yeah, it, essentially, the title says it all and then there were none. So they eventually realize that there's this poem that's all over the home. It's called Ten Little Indians. And the poem describes how it's like a step, and then there was nine, and then there was eight, and then there was seven, and then there was six, and it steps down through each line of the poem. 
and they're losing somebody in each line of the poem, which the deaths in the story kind of all proceed down that line of the poem until you get to the last one, and then there were none. So long story short, and spoiler alert, everybody does die in this story. And it, honestly, that's not... You get that you get that feeling right away. Once you know what's happening, you see the connection to the poem. There's also these little figurines that are being taken off every time somebody's killed. And then you look at the title of the book and then there were none. Clearly the intentions were for everybody to die on this island, which does happen, but that is not even the start to solving this mystery and really kind of figuring out exactly what happens. Even after you get to the end, there's like this whole bit from Scotland Yard and then a confessional. And that's where you finally get like the full wrap up. And then you say, ooh, this is the kind of thing where now that I know I want to go back. Because you know that she's dropping clues the whole time that I wasn't super privy to because this is not my, this is not my forte. Uh, I, I, honestly, I want to read more mystery books now just to kind of uh, work that muscle of solving these kind of clues. Because... It's just not a style of writing I'm used to. And Agatha Christie, I didn't have an issue with her kind of like very formal English writing. I think that uh, I've read enough old, old books to be kind of familiar with that. Like this has nothing to do with plot. This has nothing to do with those kind of details. Just how she wrote. I didn't find it hard to read. I actually found the book quite easy to read and, and very enjoyable. I think she has very nice prose. They flow very well. You don't get bogged down by a lot of character development, which is helpful and probably plays a big role in being able to understand maybe her a little bit more formal English than I'm used to reading, used to writing, and used to interacting with in, our, in the daily world. And uh, uh, overall, that's that's basically what I wanted to say about the plot. There's really, without ruining it completely, that's that's that it is what it is, this story is exactly what it should be and it's nothing more and it's nothing less which i really think that's why it makes her such a good mystery and why it's considered one of these top shelf mystery stories of all time the overall themes that i picked up from this is not a lot you know i it wasn't the kind of story that like i was reading into a lot of things that um that that necessarily the author might have not intended it wasn't like that. I, I think when I read stories, especially big stories, I get to know the characters so well, and I get to kind of interact with their decisions and question their decisions or praise them for the decisions. And that's where a lot of the themes that I kind of come up with on my own from the stories I read come from. But this doesn't really have a lot of that. So it didn't. there wasn't really the opportunity for me to kind of use that intuition to find more themes. And and I may be wrong. I don't think that there's really is a wrong with that just because it's my assessment and my thoughts on the book itself. But I'd be curious if anybody else picked out any. Um, the big one, getting to it, the big one is atonement for sins or crimes or whatever you want to call them. I, I prefer to re refer to them as crimes and, and horrible decisions. But overall... I would say atonement. That is essentially what seems to be the, the underlying theme. All of these people did something, committed an act, and they had to pay for it in some way. And apparently the uh, our, our villain or our murderer in the story uh, thinks that they need to pay with death, which, you know, seems pretty drastic. But, I mean, all of them are being accused of murder. 
you know, again, I don't know if I necessarily agree that they should, that like that's the end all be all. Somebody should just pull a Batman and start, well, I guess Batman doesn't kill people either, but, you know, do the vigilante justice and just start killing off all these people because at the end of the day they all killed one person or two and and this this person's killing 10 which seems like a lot to me it absolutely is a lot there's no questions about that uh so i want you know the uh our villain here you wonder if this person is uh needs to be atoned as well so atonement definitely the biggest theme uh, i think that it's just very straightforward it's very clear that that's the theme there's not a lot of reading into it I think that it is made clear throughout the entire story right away from the beginning when the gramophone record plays all the way into the end where it's just kind of like really shined up and shown like this is exactly why. This is the theme. This was the theme the entire book. It is what it is. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. So yeah, I thought it was a good theme. I I like the deeper stuff, and I but I do like the entertainment value of this. So I'm going to get right into my overall assessment of this book because I don't have as much to to go on as far as those those deeper aspects of morality and things like that for the theme. But overall my assessment is I really like this book. I it's really inspired me to read some more mysteries and kind of you know, explore Agatha Christie a little bit more, kind of, I've been wanting to read more of those hard case crimes books, so kind of jumping into those, and just reading different authors, you know that if you listen to the podcast, I talk about it all the time, I love my Stephen Kings, I love my Neil Gaiman, I love, you know, I love all of those authors that are my favorites, but I love to also get into new things, and I love suggestions as well, so I really loved this book, I thought it was really great, a couple of odd things is, you know, I understand that this was written in, you know, in the 30s, and, but, like, I, I do feel it was kind of uncomfortably racial. Like, not even in the way where it's, like, she's definitely not pushing some sort of racial, racist agenda or anything like that, but it almost makes me a little bit more uncomfortable because it's just, like, so casually racial, and I don't like that. I, I mean, I... It's not preventing me from reading the book because I've read books where characters are are pushed to be racist. An author wrote them as a racist character, and we can't pretend that we live in a world that that person doesn't exist. And and that person, to create a story, you need to have all walks of life in it, whether it's pretty or not. And they're going to be included. I mean, most likely if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably read a book where that's been included as well. But in this story, it doesn't like further the plot. It's just, it was written in a time period that people use this language. And it's, it, it is somewhat jarring, especially that everything that we've seen from the history books and in 2022 have seen in the last 30 years of my life, it is still jarring to me to just see it these terms used in such a casual way and i'm not knocking agatha christie she's a product of of her generation of her time period like i can't blame her for that i don't agree with it but i see why it would have been used this is just common language at the time i i don't i don't agree with that but that's just how they spoke, I guess. So that's really my only gripe with this story. And I assume the rest of her books kind of have it as well. Just it being a product of its time. but And it's not preventing me from reading any more of her books. Because it's not like she's pushing some racist agenda. It's not like that. Which, uh, thank goodness. Because I definitely wouldn't be continuing on 
with her writing if that was the case. But overall, I liked how short it was. It was just, it was nice to read something that wasn't that long. Uh, coming up, we have one week left in March. I, I was talking about the Mystery March thing. I wish I would have thought of that idea earlier. Maybe next year, 2023, Mystery March. Uh, but I have some choices. I want to either read... I'm, I'm kind of mixed. I, I have Grifter's Game by Lawrence Block. And that's a hard case crime story. And uh, that is considered to be one of the best hard case crime books. I looked up a couple different rankings of them. And this one was ranked three on all of them. I believe it's actually the first one too. So I'm kind of intrigued to read that one. Now the other one I got is Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. And I am kind of intrigued to read this one too because it just came out as a movie and I'm a fr I am want to go see the movie in theaters. My wife and I haven't been to a movie together. I've been to the movies without her, but we haven't been to the movies together in a long time. I think she would enjoy this. So I kind of want to read that too because I'm afraid that the movie's going to be out of theaters soon. It might be. I, I have to look into that. So I'm either going to read one of those two books. But all around, I'm just excited to read more mysteries and really kind of work that mystery-solving muscle in my old brain here because I feel like I could get kind of good at it. I don't know. I don't think I could read only mysteries. Like, I know some people only read mysteries. I don't know if I could do that. But I'm not knocking the, the genre. I think the genre is great. I think the genre is fantastic. I think the genre is cool because it's one of those that can kind of be peppered in across all the other genres. Like, I'm not saying I haven't read a book that involves a mystery before because a lot of the books I read involve a mystery. But I like these ones that are just inherently mysteries. It's kind of cool. They also got these cool covers that are just kind of like, it, like that's a mystery book. They just look like a mystery book. It's cool. Well... That brings us to the end. And then there were none. Check it out. It really was good. It was really good. Short, sweet, to the point. It's a really great book. As always, go get a library card. As always, as I've at least been doing it recently. Go get a library card. If you don't have a library card and you like to read, that's ridiculous. You should have a library card. Go to your local library. You can go to your local library and then you can go to the one that maybe you have a different town's library on your uh on your driver's license maybe a different town on your driver's license i live like next the town over from the town i used to live in so i go to both sometimes if they don't have a book that i'm looking for maybe the other one does i'll go check that one out that one's much bigger and much nicer the one in elgin illinois galborn library that's a huge beautiful library nicest library i've ever been a member at i've only been a member at maybe five but nicest one for sure so as always, thank you guys for stopping in. It means so much to me that everybody checks out my podcast, follows me on Instagram, looks at looks at all the the books and records I'm books I'm reading, records I'm listening to, and as always, I am Max Lopez and this is Beyond the Bounds. <laughs>